0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let us become more aware of your presence. If you just remain standing with me for just a moment. Um, man, that is that is the key. Um, God is present. He is present. He is good. He is faithful. He's, he's holy, holy, holy. And us, awareness of his presence is what... Uh, d- do we tend to act a little different when we're at church than maybe when we're at home? Or maybe in other places? Um, maybe because that's a sense of awareness or... Other things, but just <laughs> but just making making God's presence something that is you know uh, there's a little book that I love and we talk about often is you know a little little monk wrote you know Brother Lawrence practicing the presence of God and that just reminds me in this moment that we just need to be a, a fully aware of His presence because in His presence is what is where life is is where is where where we're conformed to His image. And aware of the glory and the wonder of who He is, uh, stand. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Your Word. Uh, from that, as You plan it, it's Your work to write it on our now new hearts. It's Your work to to inscribe it into our lives and to cause it to be this massive instrument of transformation. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful for Your finishing work to lead us into all truth and to remind us of everything that the Lord Jesus has said and. And so, Lord, would you finish your work today in us? Would you continue to conform us to the image of Christ? Would you uh, complete the work that you've started as you've promised to do until the day of Christ Jesus? We just ask, Lord, in this moment that, uh, that we would not just be merely hearers of the word only, but be doers, that we might not deceive ourselves, but that we would put these things in practice so that we would build our house upon the rock, the sure, solid foundation of Christ Jesus. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh, Jesus, O oh, Father, O oh, God. For you are a rock and our refuge, and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Have a seat. Um, so I, I want to say, uh, Gail, I love when you're here. I just love you. You are such a joy. You are such a treasure. You are so uh, just pa- genuinely passionate about Christ. And, and the work that he's called you to. So just welcome. Just so glad you're here. Jerry, thank you for your leadership uh, as you help us to, to genuinely live out our passion and desire to be, to be partners with this ministry. Jerry is such a, a catalyst in that. And, uh, and we're, so, we're so thankful. And I, I think it's reflected in how we, uh, how we contribute. Um, but it, 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 hopefully it's, it's, you're seeing that it's our passion, it's our heart. We believe that God considers life to be precious and that we should be a part of, as we sang a lot this morning about uh, him being our defender. Should we not be imitators of God, therefore his dearly loved children, and live a life of love? And that looks like us being defenders of others, um, and, and in this case, uh, the precious babies that were, uh, you know, it's a treasure. So, um, also, I want to um, just uh, just say on my, on my behalf, um, I'm so th- Thankful for Tom and Vicki being with us today. So like uh, they are an extension of our church family. So such a treasure to us. We're so glad you're here. Uh, you don't want to miss brunch today because they're going to be sharing about what's going on in Portugal through the ministry, through sharing their hearts. Um, they have six children and new two new grandbabies as of January. In fact, as early as February 20th. They had their second grandbaby. So uh, they're new grandparents. So anybody that's been a seasoned grandparents, please share some wisdom there. You can look at their face and tell they're pretty excited about that. So, so that's, uh, that's good times. Um, as we get into God's Word, uh, here's, my, here's my fear, that, um, that, we would, uh, that we would be hearers only. Because if we know something we're not doing, if we just become more educated about what God's Word says and we're not doing it, literally, we just become more of a hypocrite. Um, but God's, God's agenda is not that we would be hypocritical, but that we would be practical in our expression of his holiness, grace, mercy, love, and kindness. And, and that, that, that's where our role is how we steward God's word is through practice, is through, is through living it out, is through allowing it to, to, take, to be incarnate in our lives. And that's God's hope and ambition for our lives. That's his desire is that his word would take feet that it would, yes, that it would penetrate our minds, but then it would seep into our hearts, and that it would, uh, that, that it would take the form of, of belief in its expression through our hands and feet. And so, um, man, listen, uh, our, our world is in crisis. Uh, there, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of, I mean, you only have to turn the news on very briefly, and uh, there's a lot of, there's a, chaos, there's a lot of brokenness and hopelessness, uh, and, uh, and we, we, uh, we are a part of a different kingdom. You know, I was thinking that uh, as we were singing those songs, and thank you for just how the Lord just uses you guys to choose those. Ashley, can we just give a, a just a celebration for our worship team? I just love their heart. Uh, so thankful for them. Um, but just talking about like, I, I was just thinking this morning that like, aren't you glad that that our King Jesus doesn't have a four-year term? That's eternal. You know, like just thinking about that, like, and then and what that means for me as His reign endures. Um, and uh, because his his kingdom has come, and now his hope and desire is that through us, as his kingdom has actually been planted in us, now it would be expressed. So we get to be ambassadors of a of a of a gracious and glorious King, whose kingdom is now uh, not only something that we're familiar with, but that's in us and uh, is is liberated us, and we get to invite people into that liberation you know, into that kingdom as ambassadors on foreign soil. It's an awesome thing that God has done for us in Christ. So today, um, I really feel like, so my, my aim uh, initially as we, uh, as Trevor and I pray and lay out the the, 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 uh, the, the sermon series over the years, um, it, you know, the aim today was to to look at the, the golden rule and uh, Broad is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to eternal. I like to look at those two, and man, I can't. I got. I'm camping out on the golden rule because, like, this is one verse. Roman. And this is sorry. This is Matthew chapter seven, as we continue in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and just simply verse twelve. And uh, I promise not to take more than two hours today getting this done. Um, but you know that I'd like to do that, though. But. Um, but this is a this is a rich text that really speaks into our mission in the in the context of a broken world that's filled with emptiness and and dissatisfaction and 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 uh, hopelessness and and burden and brokenness and we we experience some of that even in 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 our in our journey of being sanctified we taste some of that because we're in the world and hopefully not of it and uh, but how do we minister how, what is the, what is the, the magna Carta of the, of the Christian uh, as he expresses his life in Christ to those around him? Uh, how, what, what is, and I believe that this really speaks to that. It really helps us uh, to understand the practical expression of how we live. And I, and I love that God is so good to us and that he gives us a, a simplistic expression of something that's so big. I mean this one little verse uh concludes by saying this that that in doing this this is the law and the prophets. Like this sums up the old covenant. Like God's righteous requirements are summed up in this. Don't you love simplicity? Don't you love when there's something that you can go, okay, so this this is the aim. This is this is where it's at. And very quickly uh, as it uh, you know as we have a similar experience in any aspect of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, especially Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, tells us to be perfect, to see is perfect, be mature, be complete. You know, um, we, 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 we very quickly realize that I can't do this without, and that's a healthy place to be. Like, we always need to be in a place that, man, I'm desperate for you, God, because I can't breathe without you. Like, there's nothing that God calls us to. Like, there, there's a misconception in the world that, you know, he, he never leads us to things that we can't accomplish in our own. I mean, that's not true. God constantly leads, leads us to deep waters where we are, we are radically, desperately dependent on him in order for, for what he's asked us to do to be accomplished. And, uh, and the Christian life is absolutely, uh, you know, no exception. So... Um, do this with me because, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to see us be, ever be a church that just knows this word but lives it. And that means that, you know, because we're in front of it, hopefully as often as every morning, every day, all the time, meditating on it day and night, that, um, that we're in a mode of application. We're in a mode of practice. We're in a mode of, Lord, strengthen me, give me the wisdom to live this out for your glory. Um, and so, uh, w- would you declare with me this morning that before the word is even spoken, that it's my, it's my desire in my heart that I would put this into practice, Lord? Would that be your ambition? Okay, good, because it's dangerous not to, because we're building our house on sand, otherwise we're going to be told in a few weeks. All right, so Golden Rule, uh, by the way, is a label that's been given to the teaching here that Christ has given. Uh, there were many golden rules uh, in in countless religions that predate Christ uh, Christ's life. Uh, for example, uh, the Egyptian golden rule uh, was 1,652 years before Jesus walked the planet. So the the the, the, the label of golden rule is not what Jesus l- literally labeled it. Um, uh, this, is, this is what we've given. And there's, there's tons of different golden rules that are out there. and We'll get to a few of those in just a moment. But um, I'm going to walk us through a, several, a, a paraphrase and a couple of translations. And, uh, and I want you to hear this with fresh ears. Because I think um, the danger is when we hear familiar text or familiar passages that we, we disregard its, its power and its authority and its potential in our life. Let's not do that. So this is what it says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Peterson said it this way in the message paraphrase. Here is a simple rule of thumb guide for believers. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them. Add up God's law and the prophets, and this is what you get. The Amplified says it this way. So then, whether you desire, whether you desire that others whatever you desire that others would do to you or to would do to and for you, even so do also to and for them. For this is, sums up, the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets. And so what a, what a glorious concept. What a glorious, and I read tons of commentaries and different pieces on this this week, and, uh, and they would refer to these as sayings of Jesus. Man, let's not, let's not mistake that this is not a teaching, a saying. This is a command. Like, and it comes from our loving Father's heart. Through the messenger of his Son, the Word became flesh and brought this, this, this objective that God has for us in our, in our living. For His glory. This scripture contains one of the most well-known commands Jesus ever said. The issue of righteousness is at hand. How can a person live righteously? That is, live in right relationship with his neighbors. Well, it's been labeled the golden rule for life. So, before we look at this golden rule, um, and and it's interesting that in an effort which we are always in to improve upon things. Um, there's a recent, uh, and, and I say recent, last 50, 60 years, uh, there's been a, a, a new rule that's been introduced to improve upon the golden rule, and it's called the, the titanium rule. So, you know, do, do for others what Jesus has done for you. And I think that what this does for us is it actually clarifies the intent, the motive behind the golden rule. And we'll look at that as well. So before we look at that, I want to read, a, I read a, a simple article to you that I, that I found. And I couldn't improve upon this or share it with do Justice, so I'm going to share it with you this way. Um, the simple teaching even had influence and power over a Roman emperor. Service. Was his name? History teaches us that he greatly admired this rule and had it written on the walls of his closet. Some traditions say that he literally had it written in gold. Um, He quoted it when he was giving judgments. He honored Christ and favored Christians for the sake of it. So not only was the golden rule taught by Christianity, its principles has been found in just about every corrupt religion, and I have a few examples. Islam. No one of you is a believer until he desires for his brother that which he desires for himself. To, uh, Taoism says this, and this is a collection of Chinese philosophies and traditions, and it says this, regard your neighbor's gain as your own gain and your neighbor's loss as your own loss. Judaism says, says this, what is hateful to you do not, do not to your fellow man. This is the entire law, and all the rest is, com- is, uh, is commentary. Buddhism. Um, Hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. So, as I look through a lot of these, and Confucius has some sayings on this, and, and, uh, and uh, several other religions, it, it seems that they, they present their, their rule, their golden rule, in a very negative uh, way, where Jesus does not yet it speaks into our negative choices and we'll look at that just a minute. I'll continue. I want you to think about this. If anyone in the world decided to follow the golden rule, it would, it would completely change our world. There would be no more crime, no more, no more prison cells, no more gas chambers, no more electric chairs discrimination, per- prejudice, and all of the forms of, of racial hatred and bigotry would, be, would cease. The nightly news would not be able to report the terrorist attacks and the hijackings of planes, kidnapping, bombings, and all the other violence. Instead, all these things would simply be reminders of our past, and we would see how we have, or he has, it should say, overcome our weaknesses or wickedness by following the golden rule. The golden rule is a great summary, summary of how we should treat our fellow man. Not I want to take a closer look, but I want to sh- basically goes on to share that he has uh, a several of the rules that are out there that are practiced within our culture, but maybe we don't know their terminology or nomenclature. So there, are, there are several rules. There's the iron rule. Uh, Hitler subscribed to this rule, and it says this. This rule is based on the brutal and satanic principle of might makes it right. Cain was the first to practice this iron rule when he stained his hands with the innocent blood of his brother Abel. Every murder from then until now and every war that has ever been fought have been a direct result of the iron rule principle. Adolf Hitler uh, loved this philosophy. He attempted to build a superior human race and he wanted to weed out those who he considered to be weak. So he enforced the iron rule and stated and started murdering all those who did not fit his concept. The iron rule also states, what is yours is mine if I can take it by force. The Old Testament, we see this with King Ahab, with David even, in two prime examples of the iron rule. Ahab wanted Naboth's vineyard, right? And uh, his wife said, you're the king. Go and take it by force. And he did. David took another man's wife, in much the same way, we see that in in 2 Samuel 11. So there are many today that follow the iron rule. The FBI statistics, um, these are 20 years old, reveals that the United States, um, there are 1,370,978 violent crimes. Now this is back in 1998. And of that number, 12,000 are murders, 65,574 rapes, and then 318 robberies. I mean, we know these things, assaults, and it goes on and on and on. It is horrifying to realize that there are people in our society that, uh, who had just as soon take your life as shake your hand because they have the iron rule mentality. A person does not have to be a thief or a murderer to have this mentality, by the way. In First John 3.15, it says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderers Uh, has eternal life abiding in him. Then there's the brass rule. The brass rule reads this way. The brass rule is is the get-even philosophy. It says, Do unto others as they do unto you. I will treat you as you treat me, good for good, evil for evil. This idea is both defended and practiced by many in the world, as well as some in the church, unfortunately. And then there's the silver rule. The silver rule is the rule of Confucius, which says, do nothing until others, unto others that you would not have them do unto you. Um, there was a, a Jewish philosopher. In fact, he was a, he was a rabbi. His name was Halil. Hel- uh, he was a great rabbi in uh, Jesus' contemporary time. And he, says, he said this. It was reported that he had to have taught the same concept, that this is a negative rule that requires no good act no good acts to mankind. Uh, The law forbids a person from murdering his neighbor, but it does not require them to help their neighbor. There are many who have called themselves Christians that follow the silver rule. They stay out of mischief, but they don't do any good. Some are like the rich young ruler in in Matthew 19. They do not murder, they don't commit adultery, steal, bear a false witness. But on the other hand, they do not do any good acts to help others. And I think we get the idea. In Islam, um, their, their golden rule, um, as I, I shared earlier, again, as, as many of the other philosophies or, or ancient religions, it has a negative connotation. It's just, you know, if don't do bad to others, so they won't do bad to, 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 to you. And, uh, and Jesus speaks to this from a different perspective. And, uh, and I want to dive into that. That's the nature of our time together today. So um, the golden rule... There's, there's a lot of golden rules out there for, uh, for a litany of things, for economics, for parenting, for coaching, for communication. And I thought a couple, a couple of them I want to share with you. The golden rule for parenting. Always be the person you want your child to be. The golden rule for coaching, communication. Uh, all great communication happens firsthand with honesty and in the context of relationships. And then finally, I think we've all heard this one, the golden rule of economics. Those who have the gold make the rules. So we know that those, those things don't lead to good places. And, uh, and Jesus' words here, though summing up the law and the prophets, really give us directives on how to practically walk out the gospel. And so again, I read, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. So, the golden rule, it's probably the most well known command that Jesus has ever said. It is the summit of ethics, behavior, righteousness, and godliness. It is the very practical statement of God's very own love. That is, and don't miss this, God has done to us just as he wants us to do to him and to others. God has treated us as he wants us to treat him and others. He pursued us passionately because we might ask the question, well, how does that pra- does that practically look from, from God's perspective to us and then ours to others? He pursued us passionately. He loved us unconditionally, and he gave himself to us sacrificially. And so this, this really informs, like I love that Jesus never did anything that he didn't model for us. When he asked us to, to, to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us, he literally did that on the cross. And we see him modeling throughout his ministry all these teachings so that we have, we, we have no excuse to ever say, well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like Jesus. And, uh, and so he pursued us passionately Jesus sought us. He first chose us. He first loved us. You know, in Hebrews it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and now sits down yeah, at the right hand of the Father. But what that says to me is that Jesus' goal was not the cross or even the empty tomb. All of that facilitated the reconciling work of the Father that has been administered to our lives. And so, when Jesus was in this 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 mode of, of fulfilling God's work plan and purpose and and loving humanity into, into their rescue and salvation, he did it with the with the, with this in mind. The joy set before him was that one day, a few will be reconciled to me and to my daddy, and uh, and and we will we will know we will have this intimate relationship. So why I say that is this. I, I believe in fulfilling the golden rule. I believe that there's a holy objective that's been established by Christ. That we too can have the objective that as we live out love, not for selfish intent or purposes, that we can have the, not, not the reciprocating mentality that if I do this for them, that you know, I, have a, I have a list here that they would do these things for me. Uh, that there's, there's expectations based in, in, in worldly precedents. Or, or paradigms, but that, that we can, I believe we can have this, this hope that, that as we love, as we want to be loved, as we give to the extent that we have been given and would want to be given to, as we respond to others the way that we want them to respond to us, we could have this, this hope that for the joy of intimate, life-giving, like really what the church is meant to be in these intimate, uh, f- intimate relationships that he wants for us. Loved us unconditionally. These are the models, these are the example that's been Christ, that, that Christ set for us. So as we, as we seek to do for others what we would want done for ourselves, man, the, the, the backdrop of all of that is God pursued us in Christ. God sought us when we were completely rebellious towards him. That God loved us with an unconditional love. And, uh, and this, is, this is the, this, I mean, because how many of us would say, man, I wish, especially when in the midst of adverse circumstances, and it seems to manifest itself most, most often in the intimate relationships like marriage. That, you know, sometimes I believe that we go into marriage and even into friendship with the expectation of, boy, I hope they'll do these things for me. Man, I hope that this, this, uh, this relationship will manifest itself in these ways. And, and this, this, this command challenges us to a selfless, to a Christ-like approach to every relationship that we would do for others what we would wish they did for us. And again, isn't it an awesome thing that this is exactly what God did to us? Because we see it, whether in the Old Covenant or the New Covenant, that God's desire is that we would love him with a whole heart. We'd love him with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. That he, we, he would get our full affection, our attention, and love. And that's exactly what he did for us. He demonstrated his own love for us in this. And while we were yet sinners, Christ willingly died for us. And he gave himself to us sacrificially. Because that's what love does. Love gives. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave and surely that was sacrificial. So my question of several questions this morning, but the first one is this. What does it look like to love him the way he loved us? What does it look like for us to love him the way he loved us? Uh, I, I really believe that if we look at this holistically to the, to the, to the full narrative of the scriptures, we kind of come to the place that we understand that we have to first love him in order to be an agent of love. We must be first indwelled with his spirit, have the reference for, for his gospel before we have any sort of definition for what it looks like for us to love those that are in our lives. And, and guys, what, is it, what does it look like? Like, I, I think about marriage. Man, what, a, what would a marriage look like if this was the mantra of the marriage? Because we know in the context of marriage, I, I often say marriage is a mirror because it shows us some of the darkest places and tendencies of our lives. The more intimate we are with others, I mean, that, that's actually a good thing because it, it kind of it, it, it shows us those things. But, but what if in the context of our relationships, marriage, for example, it, it would be our endeavor not to, to seek to be loved and to benefit from the love of another, but but to love, a, in the range of what I would what I would really enjoy, what I would really appreciate, I'm going to do for for them. How would that affect a marriage? What kind of environment would that be? What kind of a culture would that represent? And how would that affect children and neighborhoods and communities? And uh, man, it. it 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 requires this, though. It requires us having a firm gaze on Jesus because let's admit this, that life is tough and it's a brutal experience at times, but as we continue to gaze upon what's been done for us in Christ, it completely informs and it motivates, it fuels the, the golden rule into relationships like marriage and friendship. When's the last time that you asked, and I'm going to pick on marriage a little bit or intimate relationship, what, what, when's the last time that you've asked the question, what would my spouse really love? And just thought about it. Because, you know, it's like, it's like Jesus is saying that he's given us an internal gauge, right? And the internal gauge is this, like you know what you would wish for yourself, right? Whatever you would wish for yourself, do it for others, like, uh, I know I had this, this illustration before, but it was just a practical experience for me, that there was this accident in the intersection, and you could tell that this guy thought that he was at fault, though he wasn't from a witness perspective. And he comes out of the car, and he's like, oh no, I hope everybody's okay, I'm so sorry, you know, totally in the posture of, please show me grace, please, please show me grace, I have fallen short here. And he, in the context of the conversation and what transpires in a very short time frame, he realizes he's not at fault and it's the others and instantly turns into, I can't believe you did this. Why are you there? But guys, if we're honest, we see ourselves in that picture. Like we, we want grace. We want love. We wish these things for, for our experiences and for our relational experiences in life. But are we the initiators? Are we the ones that, that are doing these things that have been done for us ideally to perfection in the person of Christ Jesus? And, and when that gets intentionally, because we have to see this in the text, that, it, that it's intentional. It's not passive, it's active. That, and, and let me ask you a question. Was Jesus passive or active in demonstrating his love for us? You know, and, and guys, look, let's be honest. It's not going to be easy. You know, it might be filled with betrayal and denial and, and tough. But listen, for the joy set, but listen, there's a promised hope. There, there's a power that's involved. When we walk out God's word, God's word works. Does that make sense? Like God's word, it, it will not return void. Like it'll accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. And so when we endeavor to practice God's word out of just sheer submission as the bride of Christ, as, as Christ's helper, seeking to just honor God in, in radical obedience, man, God, these, these principles that are commands from the lips of God himself become powerful sword-like instruments in the spiritual realm that literally cut into hearts and lives and transform people as we continue to live these things out. Does that make sense? I mean, do you really want your marriage to thrive? Do you want it to be a gospel message to the world? Do you want your relationships to model and look like those that Jesus shared with intimate relationships with his disciples? Man, the way that is manifested or lived out is, man, we got to, we got to, we got to take the initiative and we've got to you know, and this is a command, so we're going to be given the Spirit's help to, to see this lived out. The wisdom will come. In, but, but, but our posture must be in an active mode. God, I just want to obey your commandments. Do you know what Jesus says in John? I mean, this is all through the final discourse in the, in the Gospel of John, but John 14, 21, he literally says this, and he says it through John 15 and on into 16 but he basically says, look, if, if you obey my commandments, that's how you tell me that you love me right? Like, that's how you, that's how you even demonstrate your fellowship. But but then he goes on in verse 21 and says a very unique thing. He says, and I will reveal myself to you through your obedience. You know, a practical, like, uh, to see that fleshed out in the, in the, in the narrative of, of Christ's ministry. Jesus sent Peter into deep water, Luke chapter 5, right? He went in the boat with him, and, the, and, and, and we see in verse 6, he says, but because you said so, verse 5, we, we will, we will go, and he says, when they had done so, and their boats are filled, right, and to overflowing. In fact, their partner's boats as well. But, but what, what happens in that moment is Peter sees Jesus for who he is, and he's humbled in that moment to say, I'm a sinful man, go away from me, Lord. See, what, 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 manifest, what, 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 kind, what happened there is, is, is Peter obeyed Jesus' command. The fruit of that was not a boat full of fish, even though you'd think a fisherman would be thrilled about that. The fruit of that was he saw Jesus for who he was. Jesus didn't change. The veil was pulled back. And and I believe that obedience is a catalyst to seeing the, the power of God manifested not only in our lives, but through it. And so, man, we're called to this. We're commanded to this. We're, we're commissioned and empowered by His Spirit to this, to do for others what you would wish they would do for you. And, and then, don't you love this, that, that, that it's, it, it sums up, it says it is the law and the prophets. So it literally, in, in a simplistic approach, it encapsulates all the law, all the teachings, all of that God poured into the nation of Israel. That massive amount of content is, is summarized in, you know, whatever you would wish done to you, do for others. And the only other time we see this is in, is in Matthew uh, 22, uh, 37 through 40. And, and what Jesus says is this. He says, look, Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you do this, you fulfill the law and the prophets. I I want to to continue here because I want to get to a, a piece that I think is so powerful. The golden rule. What does it reveal? It reveals the heart of God. It reveals the heart of God. And then... What it also does as we, as we endeavor to be obedient to it is it reveals the heart of God through our lives. Do you see that? Like, what we understand when we see the, 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 the ministry of Christ Jesus, which is the, completely the will of God being realized to perfection, is we see the heart of God. Love, grace, mercy, God did not dumb down his, his just standard. He remained just and became the justifier. The Lamb of God came for the purpose to take away the sins of the world. So, so the the rule of uh, the golden rule, and what it does is it, it, it just brings clarity to what God has done for me. And Jesus says, my command is this, John, 17, John 15, 17. He says, what? What's my command? Love one another. Well, that can seem somewhat ambiguous, right? That seems very large in, in its scope, and it, it does. It has very unique expression depending on the individual. And I believe the Lord will be faithful through wisdom of the Holy Spirit to guide through those things. But here's the thing. We have an overall mission, and that's to love. We're known as disciples by that mark. Like the world will know him by our love. They'll know that, that, that he's the one that we follow by the way that we love. And this is so practical in that expression is, man, you, you know what you wish for. You have a gauge. Man, I want to be loved. I want to belong. I want to, when I fail, I want someone to forgive me. When I, when I when, not if, but when I stumble and fall, I want someone to, to, to reach out a hand, you know, with a, with a, with, with a heart of grace and mercy and, and it be his to reconcile me. Guys, here's the good news. We get to be the hands and feet of Christ. We get to be that. Like, we get to be the tangible expression of this glorious God to the world. He is, he is desiring to use us to manage. And guess who gets blessed in the process? We do. We get blessed to be a blessing. And in the process of blessing, we're blessed. And, and that's how our cup stays full and overflowing rather than drained and empty. And, man, God wants us to abide in him in such rich ways. And he even said it in John chapter 4 when the disciples get back. You know, they're like, did he eat? Because, like, he's talking like he ate. You know, and he's, he's like, I have food you know nothing about to do the will of, of the Heavenly Father. Like, Man, so like as we, what I mean by that is when we serve, when we serve, and what are we serving? When we serve God's word, because that's a, that's how we serve Christ. I mean, He declares that obey my commandments. This, guys, um, have you ever asked yourself, man? I'm so overwhelmed by God's love for me. I'm so overwhelmed by its sacrificiality and its its unconditional love. I'm so overwhelmed by just how it sought me and saved me. I'm so overwhelmed. How do I love Him back? How do I show worship in response to this? Because nothing else seems appropriate. How do I do? And Jesus, he helps us out. He says, obey my commandments. Love one another. Like, how good is God that he says, you, you, you want to love me? Love them. Like, the, how you love me is love them. You know, obey, obey my commandments. My, my commandments kind of find their, 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 their fruition In the world, getting to know Jesus and and coming to a place where they're radically saved and new life begins and their eyes are opened and their lives are changed and the hopelessness ebbs and the darkness is replaced with light. This is God's heart and hope. The golden rule reveals God's heart. It shows us exactly how God's heart longs for us to live and to act And don't miss this. It is a simple statement revealing what love really is and what life in a perfect world is like. It tells believers that they are to live as the golden rule dictates while still on earth. Listen to what Romans 13.10 says. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So there are four significant facts that set the Golden Rule apart from all of the teachings and make it the pinnacle, I mean the pinnacle of human behavior. So number one is this. The Golden Rule is a one-sentence statement that embraces the human behavior. The fact that, the, that all the law and all the love can be stated in one simple statement is amazing. The simple statement of the Golden Rule indicates the law and the prophets. Like, it encapsulates that. And so, and this is what I wanted to share with you just a little bit earlier. But but here here's the good news. So in Matthew chapter five verse seventeen, Jesus says something that kind of captivates and and um, confuses his audience. He said because what he's saying in his ministry sounds like he's coming to overturn the law and the prophets, and he's got a but they had started to apply and and live it in such a manner that it was absolutely contrary to its intent. And so Jesus comes to Reveal the law in its <clears throat> in its, with clarity and purpose. And he says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to what? To fulfill the law. And so if Jesus came to fulfill the law, like, and this command fulfills is the law and the prophets, I mean, doesn't that speak into, like, what was Jesus' mission? What is ours? What was Jesus' intention? What is ours? Because if, that, if that's the case, don't we understand what Jesus is saying here is to say this. Man, sometimes what, how this confronts us is, man, I need, to, I need to want for the world what God wants for the world. Does that make sense? I need, I, I, I need to continue to, to, to seek the Father's heart and hands and, and mission because, man, sometimes we can get very, very eye-oriented. And... And we, we, we need to join God in his mission because if G- Jesus is fulfilling the Great Commission through us, then we get to be the ones that, then doesn't it matter what we wish for? Do you see what I'm saying? Doesn't it matter what we want for ourselves so that we can, we can want these things for others? And that's what God is doing in us as we continue to yield ourselves to him. He, ch- he changes our broken wanter. And it says... As we delight in the law of the Lord, he gives us what? The Psalms 37.4? The desires of our, That means he literally gives us his desires. Like he replaces our broken desires with his desires. And now we start to wish the right things and then that changes how we minister and serve and love others. The golden rule demands true law and justice. Note that the wording is, is not negative... And passive, yet it tells man how not to behave. It truly remains uh, or restrains man. For example, the golden rule teaches a man not to lie, steal, cheat or injure. And it's the teaching that goes much, much more beyond that. Also, the golden rule is concerned for or concerned with true love and with the positive and active behavior of the body of Christ. It is more than not doing wrong, like lying and cheating and stealing. It's more than just doing good, helping and caring and giving. It is looking and searching and seeking for ways to do good that you want others to do for you. It is seeking ways to treat others just as you want them to treat you. Man, I, I long for my marriage to have this expression. I long to to be the to be the catalyst. Th- th- doesn't it stir in you a desire to be this type of a friend, this type of a of a of a parent? I mean it seems like it comes a little bit easier to parents. Uh, there's this innate sacrificial love, maybe? I, I don't know. You know, and, and and that is that that that's what drives this I want for you more than I could even want for myself. The golden rule teaches the whole law. The whole law is contained in the, in the words. You know, as I, as I mentioned before, we see that in Matthew 22, 39 to 40. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws, the first one being love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, depends all the law and the prophets. See, every human being would like to have others treat them perfectly. Who, who wouldn't want that? But are we, are we going to be Are we going to be self-oriented or are we going to be Christ-oriented? Like, are we going to be, uh, are we for me or for him? Like, these type of of commands really kind of challenge our lordship. To love and to care for them uh, to the ultimate degree and to express your love and care. I, I have been privileged in my life to have two amazing women that I can say with sincerity that have m- have been this in my life. My mom, without exception, has constantly always been an example of wanting showing me what could be the pinnacle of what could be shown to her and my wife, my wife is 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 the same way as far as her sacrificial love. and guys I'm going to tell you those those relationships have have changed me. Those relationships have, have been massive in the impact, in the expression, in the challenge in my life. And we contribute to the climate of our relationships. We contribute to the, to the dynamics, the culture, the DNA of every relationship that we're in. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks. What, what, what is it that, that uh, really captures our heart will always find itself expressed through our words and actions. And so maybe this morning, what really needs to be our prayer is that, Father, I am so aware that my heart needs to change. I'm so aware that I need your heart and not mine. And man, God, this is what God is doing. This is what God desires to do, is to give us his heart, to give us his intentions, to give us his mind that he's, he's purposed for us in his spirit to manifest his, his will and purpose and plan through us. And, uh, and man, so it's, it's, it's coming into these passages that just challenges us uh, to, to live the way that life, God, I'm the way, truth, and life, Jesus has lived sacrificially, lovingly towards us. And guys, I promise, um, I, and I only say this because God promised. I can't stand in my promises, but, but, but his, and, and he, I, I believe his word works, as I mentioned earlier. And I believe that if we, if we endeavor, and this requires us dying to self, this requires us putting others' needs, as Philippians 2 says, before our own. This, this, this ultimately requires us to trust God for our care and our provision as we lay down our lives for, for his glory and for the benefit of others. This is what it requires. The believer is to love and to care for others. They are to give uh, the earth, and I love this, the, 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 the believer is meant to give the earth a taste of heaven. Isn't that what Jesus did? And then that taste became our, our substance as we ate and drank of the body and blood of Christ. See, that's what Jesus did. He brought heaven down to earth and now heaven abides in us because God's spirit's in us and now we get to share, like we get to invite people into, into, into citizenship, into adoption, into, uh, into a, a, a kingship, like a monarchy that is, that is, I mean, what kind of king loves and dies for you? Others who are treated so supremely and get a taste of heaven or the truth is, the Father, are more likely to turn to the Lord. Right? Like we're a reflection of who he is. I want to finish with reading just a few passages that kind of help to supplement. I believe that the greatest commentary on Scripture is what? Scripture. Scripture. And so let's see what the Scriptures say here. Romans chapter 15, 1 and 2 says this. We who are strong, this word means mature, have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Man, that sounds like parenting to me, right? Number two, verse two, let, us, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, speaking of the neighbor, to build him up. So this is where I wrote down "bless" because like, you know, our initiative this year is to bless like that's our that that's really why God has blessed us is so we can be a blessing. Um, and if you look at our initiative, which is depicted on our walls, you know, we begin in prayer. This is the acronym. Right. Last week I, or a week before, I was just saying that, you know, in order to be a blessing, we've got to be less. You got to be less. And, uh, and, and so it requires humility. It requires a selfless motive and, and intention. So we've got to begin in prayer because we, we acknowledge that if it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen, it's got to happen with him. And then, and then we listen. We listen. We listen with care and intent because we want to understand. We want to we minister. We want to learn. We want to we know how we can serve. We eat together with a, with a hope of making, making strangers into friends. It's, it's, a, it's a heart of hospitality, the way that Jesus in, in Revelation 3:20 invites us in, knocks on our door, and invites us into intimate community with him. And then we have the privilege to, as we learn and grow and share intimate relationship, we, we, we listen with the intent of, "How can I serve?" Because that's what God's done for me. And so we serve with love. That's the motive. And, and we believe that, that these are missional practices that earn the right to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. As we love with no intention for reciprocation, but we love because we were first loved, then we get to share the story like Peter did in Acts chapter 10. And before we finished his story, people began to believe and the spirit fell on them and baptism took place. And so this is, this is what God wants to do in and through our lives. He wants, it's, guys, um, It's it's not supposed to end with us. Does that make sense? It's not supposed to end with us. We get to be a part of the of the of the conduit of God's grace and love to the next generation. And this is just missional practices that we believe really uh, articulates the 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 expression of the gospel in relational ways, and uh, and allows us to be evangelists in in ways that aren't weird and goofy. It's just love just loving people. It's getting outside of our doors this week and taking one of these invitations that might turn into uh, someone receiving Christ Jesus as Lord and changing their life for all eternity and you being willing to step out of your comfort zone and go down your street and invite people to be a part of the body of Christ and to hear the, the, the resurrection message. Man, this is what we do. We go and do for others what we wish they would do for us. And by doing that, we fulfill the law and the prophets. Galatians 5.14 says, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word or phrase statement. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, you know, clarified to a guy that tried to justify that you don't get to pick your neighbor. They're, they're all your neighbor. It crosses prejudice lines and colors of skins and, and broken paradigms. Love your neighbor as yourself. So we see three elements that fulfill God's law. Love neighbor as yourself, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then we, we see what we're talking about this today. We sum up the law and the prophets. It is the law and the prophets, the ESV says, when we, when we literally do for others what we, we would wish done for us. Here's a, here's a practical way to do this. And maybe you do it practically, uh, specifically to the relationships that your life. So spouses, maybe you start with your, your spouse. And, and make a list. Um, what are some things that I would just really love done for me? Now be careful because they might not have the same love language, right? They might not have the same, uh, but, 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 but look at the principle behind it. Look at the expression of it. And then find ways to express that to your spouse or to your neighbor what would you want? What would you want a, a, a perfect, godly, what's your, what's your paradigm of a godly neighbor that is missional in your neighborhood, that loves Jesus? What are they doing in your mind? Like, what, what do you wish they were doing for you? Be that neighbor. Be that missionary in your neighborhood. That's, that's the heart behind that. James 2.8 says this, If you really fulfill the royal law, which is what we th- th- love your neighbor as yourself. That's how James refers to it, the royal law. According to the scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So question, what would you want your neighbor to do for you? Do it for them. And then the, the, the thing is, is um, what would your neighborhood look like? What, 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 what might you be a catalyst of? What might God sow and tug and, and, and use? Because I believe that Christianity, yes, is taught, but I think it's, more infor- importantly, I, I think it's caught. I think, I think a, 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 a vibrant Christian is contagious. And, uh, and then finally, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. And you might wonder why, why Ecclesiastes, the second to last verse in the entire book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon the author, you know, lived it all Tasted everything the world, good and bad, all of it, and said, you know, most of it's chasing after the wind. And then he summed it up and he said this in verse 12, or, or excuse me, chapter 12, verse 13. He said, The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. So if if this what we're talking about, the golden rule is the sum of is, is the, the, the Law and the Prophets, then, then based on what this verse tells us, this is the whole duty of man. You want to know your mission? People say all the time, what's my purpose? You want to know your purpose in life? Love God, love people. How? Do for them what you would want done for you. And probably more importantly, do, do for them what God has done for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, oh, when you wanted to speak with clarity and intention and when you wanted to give us the, the final say, you sent Jesus. The word that became flesh and dwelt among us came and articulated to us in word and deed what it looks like to, to love you, to serve you, to worship you, to honor you. Uh, so Lord, we pray that, um, that this wouldn't be information, but this would be transformational. That this would, this would we would really intentionally look and ask and seek your wisdom in your heart on how we put these things to practice. Because Father, we believe that you're not looking for us to do it, but just to be ready to do it and just to be submitted to your spirit. And, and if we are in that posture, then we, like Philip, will run to the occasions that we don't even know are about to unfold and we get to experience the abundant life along the journey. So, Lord, I pray that you would, you would change our hearts so that we wish what you wish, so that what we wish for might be the very thing that we do for those around us. Please, Father, help us to apply this peace. This week, let it be practical. Thank you let it for be listening real, to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith our Fellowship our workplaces, can be found at faithfellowshipst.pete.org. In Jesus' name.